Welcome back to part two of the National Food Strategy Special and the culmination of the Food Foundation's consultation with young people just like us from all over the country. So um, to jump straight back in, we've got a great like long day as well, like till four o'clock today, of, um, of activities and things like that, basically to prepare to uh, present to the decision makers later on. I'm Georgia. And I'm Subhan. And we've been thinking deeply about the food system in Britain and its relationship with our health, our pockets and the future of the planet. And we've got some serious answers. This podcast tells the story of how 20 young people between the ages of 11 and 24 came together via Zoom over two days in November to work out nine policies which we think should be part of the new national food strategy for Britain. This last session was all about preparing to present our big ideas to the people who can deliver them to the government. We'd already worked out that so much of what we want to change about the food system is interconnected. In the previous session, we'd found that if we improve wages, people can access healthier food, which means they become healthier too. Healthier, happier people have more time to care about the environment and food justice all over the world. Today's job was to make sure that we got our messages across to the people who can make the change. But first, Food Foundation facilitators Florence and Hannah threw us some hot potatoes to fine-tune our thinking. Here's Poppy on taxing bad foods. You can't just make unhealthy food more expensive. You've got to make healthy foods slightly cheaper. Because didn't they bring in a sugar tax and there were ways that companies got around it by adding more chemicals and stuff? So it's like a toss-up between do you want to have more chemicals or like the sugar? And yeah, I think it's not as clear-cut as just making it more expensive. Zoe, on the place of animals in the food system... Obviously, I don't want to offend anyone that's a vegan because I've been there. I've I've gone from non-meat eater to meat eater. And I know animals on the land, where the crops are growing, give back to the soil. And unfortunately, what humans like to do is they're like, I'm going to take the naturally occurring thing and I'm going to make it unnatural. Kind of meat is demonised now and we're made to feel evil for it. Jake on autism and safe foods. I eat chicken because of sensory processing disorder, so if we stopped eating meat, then I would have to change my routine altogether, which would really, really be a struggle for me. Georgia, you've already persuaded your family to go vegetarian. Tell us about that. Well, um, from researching, we found it really important, the environmental impact and also the impact on our own health, being vegetarian would do. It cuts down on so much CO2 emissions um, and water usage. It also takes up less land surface to be vegetarian. And although there are myths about meat and dairy giving you more protein and calcium, uh, vegetables give more protein and less fat than red meats do. So we thought that it's just a better way of living with the high CO2 emissions. But you don't really agree with that, do you, Savan? Um, in all honesty, Georgia, um, I do agree with the points you're making. But I personally believe, despite the kind of benefits that becoming vegan can have, um, say if you're an athlete, for example, um, it wouldn't kind of suit your lifestyle because um, you wouldn't may probably not have the energy or it wouldn't kind of suit your way of living. We've all learned so much from this consultation process over the last year about what we can do to make changes in the way we live. 
We've seen how young people across the world have made their voices heard and spoken directly to the people in power. And today, it was our turn. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Young people meet our invited guests. Invited guests meet our fantastic group of young people. As Florence and Hannah let our guests into the Zoom, the MPs and civil servants, all working on how we can change the food system, began to introduce themselves. First up, Henry Dimbleby, the lead on the national food strategy, was in his own fantasy background. I'm not actually in a James Bond lair. Uh, I'm actually in my son's bedroom and he's got a map of the world in his bedroom. Um, I'm incredibly lucky to have been asked to, to lead this work on the national food strategy by the government to try and see how we can take our food system so that as well as giving us lots of pleasure it also does us and the planet good and I, you know we have a system at the moment uh that is not sustainable and we need to work out how to create a food system that does both us and the planet good and i'm really hoping that you're going to give us some of the answers today i'm really really excited uh, by this session so thank you so much Kerry McCarthy is the MP for Bristol East and explained what can happen in a city when changes really are made to the food system. Down in Bristol, we set up an organisation called Feed in Bristol, which was part of the Feed in Britain network. That and the aim is to eradicate food poverty in the city. And um, it's really come into its own in the last couple of years with Holiday Hunger Programme. Last, well, the last couple of, of summers, um, we've run holiday hunger programmes for children who can't get free school meals um, during the school holidays. And then obviously this year, we've had the Marcus Rashford campaign and the, the difficulty in getting emergency food provisions out to all the people that are shielding because of COVID. So Feeding Bristol has done a really, really good job on that. But we're also interested, I think the, the area that I'm most interested in is things like sustainable food growing, so local food growing, how people can get their access uh, and get their hands on, you know, sort of affordable, healthy food rather than just junk food. And uh, we're trying to do a lot of work on, on that front as well. And then it was finally down to us. Charlie Arzu, Aditi, Georgia, Jacob in Group 1, Isabella, Zoe, Jake, Charlotte and Poppy in Group 2. And Alex, Kiara, Abby, Izzy, Gemma, Sivan in Group 3. Three policies per group that we thought would make the biggest difference to the global food system. No pressure. Okay, so my name is Charlie Thurlow. I'm going to be talking about sustainable meat. So I just want to say that we need to work on sustainable meat and keep a controlled amount of it because it can cause things like events like deforestation. Methane gas can be created by animal stock and generally meat production while it is meat is good for humans generally it has to be kept at a balanced level so i believe that a policy limit would include a limit on livestock in a respective farm in order to keep their numbers safe and balanced it would be good to mark certain areas against meat and production like the amazon rainforest to protect places that should be free from this production we need to make that official and it is quite hard because you you need to get in contact with big world leaders but i think that these are the policies that need to be made in order to keep meat sustainable and just generally keep it a lot more controlled aditi had an idea that would make healthier food accessible at schools to the poorest children in britain 
my name is Aditi and my policy is the government should provide like credit cards with a barcode which when you scan it it lets the cash register know that this person is eligible for free food and the barcode will only provide access to healthy food. My group wanted to tackle food miles and improve a local food system. As a group we decided that importation is a massive um, problem. Um, we think that this is an important issue as food miles is a massive contributor to our carbon footprint that not many people really notice. If we tax on the miles a product has travelled, people are less likely to buy imported foods, meaning more produce is needed from UK businesses and farms, etc., um, which also means more jobs are created, improving the economy, and also there's less pollution from transportation. So people are aware of the distance their food has travelled. Each imported product should show the miles of transport on the packaging so people are aware of this issue. The taxes then could be spent on creating more sustainable food production in the UK, decreasing our carbon emissions further, as well as making the UK self-sufficient. And connecting the dots, food justice. If people are importing food from other countries and it is cheaper, even though it's come a further distance, it means people aren't getting paid enough in that foreign country. By not contributing as much to imported produce, it shows that we will not stand for cheap and unjust labour. To make this change, the government will need to implement harsher taxing on imports for companies. Zoe's group wanted schools to teach kids to understand what healthy eating really means. Our first policy is education for kids on why healthy food is important. We really tell them, you know, eat your fruit eat your vegetables but they don't really know why they just know it's healthy and how does a kid relate to that what does health mean i think jake was going to jump in on a on a lovely point he's written here yeah i was gonna say i think it's great that we teach kids pythagoras and things like that in schools but i think there needs to be serious subjects being taught like health nutrition being able to make grown-up choices finances stuff like that. I just think that's more important than teaching something that you're probably never going to use again in your life. And cooking lessons that are much more than cake. Hi, hi I'm Poppy um, and I was lucky enough to get like cooking lessons in school um, but I know a lot of children aren't but when we were in school we were taught how to make simple meals that were healthy and cheap and um, that's so much easier for people to access rather than making like cakes and biscuits Knowing how to make like a healthy lunch like couscous is going to be so much more helpful in the future. And there are a lot of kids that were going, oh, well, I could add this to it. I could add that to it. I could make it this way and that way. And they're going home and making that. And so inspiring their parents and their peers to do that, as well as just teaching them. And while she had the floor, Poppy introduced her group's last policy. And um, I think we should be reducing the chemicals in foods, but especially drinks. Um, if you look at like the back of a drinks packet and you look at all of the chemicals in there, if you were to like give someone just a glass of a certain chemical, they wouldn't drink it. Like if you can't say the name of something, you're not really going to want to ingest it. So why is it okay to put that actually inside a drink? Um, it's there's long term effects that it will have to your body that we're just not made aware of, and. Um, people don't know that it can actually be more harmful to your body than sugar. And so if you're making a sugar-free drink taste the same by adding chemicals, 
it's not necessarily the answer because it can be just as harmful. And finally, Group 3 and their three policies. Sivan kicked it off with a plan to save the planet. In 2012, um, 10% of the EU's greenhouse gas emissions were agricultural, um, the two main contributors being methane and nitrous oxide. I think that statistic just shows um, the negative impact farming is having on the environment. So in order to tackle this, um, if governments issued pollution permits, only a certain amount of tonnes could be polluted. Thinking economically, when firms or farmers in this case want to maximise profits or utility, they could kind of reduce their pollution and it creates an incentive to reduce that pollution because, say, if they um, pollute less or contribute less to climate change, then they'd have excess um, pollution permits, which could then be sold off. I'm Izzy, and my part of this idea was to encourage producers and manufacturers to become more sustainable by maybe, if they could, like if they were growing potatoes, for example, they would take a percentage of their crop aside and plant it um, to get the next crop rather than having to get um, seeds or shoots from elsewhere, which would save them money and create a more of a um, circular food system rather than a linear one. And to encourage people to do this, I would propose that the government say that if you fulfil these criteria relating to um, this topic, then you can get, I don't know, maybe a couple of percent tax cut if you fulfil the criteria each year. Hi, I'm Abby and I came as part of the Wigan Youth Film and my point is leading on from Izzy's. There's a large percentage of waste that farmers produce because it doesn't meet um, the criteria of supermarkets. For example, potatoes. Um, farmers who produce these can use like some of the leftover ones that supermarkets don't want to produce their next year's crops to minimise the wastage. My group had also come up with the policy to make the food system an essential part of the education curriculum. In this kind of food education, it could be incorporated as how we have PSHE now, that equivalent. So um, it could be consistent throughout the entire school experience, but intensify in terms of content as you grow older. And I think it's extremely important for those in sixth form um, leaving school going into post-16 education where they'd have to cook themselves um, because I feel like it's very easy for us to choose the easier alternative um, junk food or ordering from out as opposed to making um, a more time-consuming but healthier meal. Abby and Alex wanted the advertising industry to use their might to change the way that we eat. Unhealthy food is being promoted and advertised on the TV on children's channels it might be being promoted next to like a new toy or something like that. So that advert is trying to encourage pe- encourage like kids to ask the parents to buy and that. And if there's also unhealthy food alongside it, it's meaning that they're also wanting kids to like ask the parents to get them that. But one of the problems about the environment is the fact that people aren't educated. So they cannot... If they're not educated about the environment, they don't know about it, so they can't help, and they can't do make the right choices, and it's it just won't work. Um, so we need people to be educated, and one of the good ways to do that is through 
advertising. Alex directed his ideas to Henry, who is the founder of healthy fast food restaurant chain Leon. And since you do a lot of advertising, you should advertise your healthy food a lot more as well, and your environmentally friendly food. Izzy wanted to include food justice in the national food strategy. In less developed countries where they're struggling for food, the more developed countries could donate some of their food that they're producing to them so that every person in the world, not just in the UK, can get an equal share of healthy food. Um, I haven't come up with an incentive for, for this, but I reckon it would be pretty easy. Joe Gideon, MP for Stoke-on-Trent Central and Chair of All-Party Parliamentary Group on National Food Strategy, and Sharon Hodgson, MP for Washington and Sunderland West, and chair of the all-party group on school food, which the Food Foundation had done so much work with, were blown away. They looked back through their notes. Joe fed back what she'd heard. Charlie started off with uh, less meat, and, and, and you're absolutely right, Charlie. I think we need to look at more plant-based diets, but it's kind of how do we, how do we persuade people that that's a good thing to do? Um, I'm interested that, that you talked a lot about healthy foods being more expensive. I think that would be an interesting one to unpack a little because, you know, if you buy if you buy fresh fruit and vegetables um, and prepare them, um, that's possibly cheaper than some of the um, the pre-prepared fast foods. But that needs looking at. And obviously, that also needs the, the cookery skills, which several of you mentioned. Um, and I was also interested that that. Um, at least one group raised the issue around uh, families learning, you know, to cook, not just not just um, uh, students, children in schools, but that, that it should be a, a, a family um, education. Because it, I mean, it's been said to me that that probably you may may have some form of awareness of cooking, but um, people of, of of your parents' age um, might not have had it in, in school. So um, there's a bit of catching up to be done there. Sharon Hodgson, MP. That was excellent. Um, and again, got lots of lots of notes. Um, reduce chemicals and food and drink sustainability and education about um, food insecurity and then also the effect of food on my body regarding health and obesity. All brilliant ideas. Um, and I would actually love to have um, this presentation, whilst we're all still doing everything on Zoom, um, to a future all-party school food group. I know um, this would um, be really welcome and would uh, create a great debate as well with all of the um, 250 or so um, stakeholders and MPs and peers. So if that could be arranged with um, um, this this group and the um, the all-party group, that would be fantastic. One little question I just wanted to pose to hear um, what do you think the government should be doing to ensure children and families have access to affordable, healthy food? I mean, you did sort of come up with that, the, the policy around the sort of um, the credit card, the barcode and the credit for free, healthy food. So you have thought around that one and sort of answered that one already. But the one I'll pose is ranking. If the government had to pick an order, how healthy it is, the impact on the environment or how affordable it is. Would anyone like to come in on that? Does anyone have a strong feeling they would like to share from the young people to answer that question? Um, I feel I think the environment's the most important because you can work towards whatever you want to work towards, but that will all be over if you do not protect the planet. Kerry, would you like to um, to add anything? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting, um, you know, and, and covering a really 
broad range of issues. I think food policy was always really neglected. Or certainly I've been an MP for 15 years. And in the early days, you just couldn't really get people to talk about it. And then we we saw the rise in food poverty. We saw the numbers of people going to food banks. And there we had things like, um, you're probably quite a few of you are too young to remember, but we had things like the horse meat scandal, where it was found that there was horse meat being served in um, things like you know, ready meals, like lasagnas. And that threw a bit of a focus on just um, how cheap, you know, you, you've got food you know, that was being produced incredibly cheaply. And People started to ask some questions about how can it possibly be produced so cheaply? What ingredients? It can't possibly be composed of good, healthy, nutritious ingredients. Ingredients when it is is basically um, you know selling at the sort of uh, prices they were. And there's also I, I did a debate on it a couple of years ago. If you look at the people that work in the food industry and whether the low prices means that people aren't being paid enough, or even whether there's modern slavery involved, and there's there's a real issue, particularly with say the Thai seafood food sector of people being enslaved and kept on boats at sea for for, for years at a time and, and and even losing their lives as a result so um and, and then the problem is you get onto the discussion if food is too cheap and it's cheap because animals are being exploited or the ingredients are rubbish or people are being exploited you almost make an argument for more expensive food but then we get into the whole food poverty issue and people can't sit you know simply can't afford to um spend more money on food and it's all very well having discussions about how people need to sort of make better choices but for people that are sort of struggling because their money's running out at the end of the the week or the end of the month often that you know that value pack of 12 burgers is is you you, you can't go around buying all the ingredients and all the better meat from the butchers and that. So I think, you know, an underlying issue is still about how we make sure that people have enough money in their pockets to feed their families. So um, I would say the underlying causes of food poverty need to be addressed as well. Um, Henry, can we come to you, please? Yes, thanks so much. Thank you for this fantastic discussion. I, I want just to say three things. The first of all is that uh, as you've kind of learnt and discussed, we have been intentionally creating the food system that we've got for 75 years since our, after the Second World War to respond to the fear of starvation. And so we've been gearing it up to, to produce volume. We've built an industrialised food system and it's been very successful, but it has become the single most, um, uh, the single most urgent problem with sustainability our food is now killing us. And we have a, a real um, obligation to change this food system, to leave our children, to leave your children, actually. This is going to be a long, I know that might sound weird, but this is going to be a long transition. Our grandchildren, your children, a better food system. Um, the second thing I say is that your points uh, and your ideas are absolutely fantastic, really sensible economic and political ideas. And the reason they're not happening uh, is twofold. First of all, this is one of the major problems for developed countries, but it is spread across in almost every country in the world. For each government department, it's a kind of second or third order problem. And therefore, not only do those government departments uh, often not deal with it. They actually, in some cases, 
are in conflict over it. So you'll have people wanting to get more trade, fighting with those who want to uh, have a sustainable uh, food production system. You'll have people who uh, want to restrict the amount of advertising of junk food, uh, fighting with government departments who want advertising companies to make more money. There's a real tension within the system. And the second reason it's difficult is because there are winners and losers. If you transform any system uh, from one mode of operation to another, some people will lose. Uh, and that literally means people's livelihoods being more difficult. People who had money, not having money, it's not a trivial thing. And that kind of change is politically very difficult. So that is our job, the food strategies job, to try and find ways of taking those ideas some of which you put up and making them politically possible. Um, so that's our job. And we will try and do the best we can. And hopefully we'll be able to use you a, a bit more along the way to work together to do that. The third thing I would say is uh, to, to think about what your role can be. So there was a fantastic piece of work uh, that was done by a historian recently, trying to understand why people went from thinking the earth was flat to thinking the earth was a sphere and what she did was she looked at all of the writing at the time about the earth being flat and the earth being a sphere and she found that actually no one changed their mind there was no one in writing who did think the earth was flat who then changed their mind and said well actually it's a, the earth's a globe what happened was young people grew up realizing the earth was a globe and the people who thought it was flat gradually died out until it became absurd now if you say the earth is flat you know there are a very small number of people but it's ridiculous and actually i think that this change both in terms of the sustainability but also wanting a healthier food system has some of those characteristics our generation in the end may not change we're too addicted to the former system and i would uh really urge each of you who clearly believe the earth is a globe who clearly know we need to have a better food system to try and change the culture of those close to you so be the person who changes your um the food in your family you know make sure that your family eats lots of fruit and veg and eats well a few of you in the direct messages have told me how rubbish your uh the food is at your school don't put up with it Get a group of people in the school and go to the head teacher, make it change. Um, you actually, by law, should be having cookery lessons up to the age of 14. And I love the idea, by the way, of making it grow after 14, teaching you how to cook sustainable, healthy, savory food. Too many cooking lessons still just teach people to make cupcakes. Shout out about it. Be that change. The energy from you guys has been absolutely fantastic and really Every single thing in the world is changed by a person, not a policy. So get out there, take this energy and change your world. And that, in the end, will lead to change in the world more broadly. Thank you so much for the time. So absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Henry. Your last um, point there of a quote that we included at the end of our school's workshops. So hopefully all the young people will remember this one, which is, uh, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. 
And I think that's uh, definitely um, that energy is something that these young people have all brought to the discussion. Um, we'd like to take a, a few minutes before we finish today to offer to give the young people a chance to put some questions to you. We've got a question from Izzy at the top. I don't actually have a question. It's just, and I'd like to tell all the um, decision makers here that in the next coming months, I would really like to see on the news that there has been some change. Uh, you haven't just come along to this session, listen to our, our ideas. I know that all of you will bring them up in your respective areas, but I would really, really like you to push for them and make some sort of change. I do think that there is a, a general thing about changing the culture and the education. Anna with the Food Foundation did uh, have been running this um, Peas Please campaign. And they managed to get like really good advertising people to make an ad for veg, um, eat them to defeat them. But what was interesting about it when you saw it was you just suddenly realised that was fun and it made you think, I mean, it made my kids uh, want to go and eat some more veg. But it is standing up against a tsunami of advertising, cultural uh, um, uh, triggers for stuff that is not going to do us uh, at the margin won't do us any good and actually in um uh, eating in bulk will will make us ill and i think that this, this is going to part of this cultural shift we more than any culture in europe only second to the americans really lost our food culture we eat much more processed food than anyone else we came off the land we came away from the land sooner than anyone else actually is one maybe one of the reasons but i think it's a really difficult problem um, I think it's probably the cultural thing and the educational thing is probably the area, I think, where we are most devoid of ideas, or at least we're most in, in search of ideas. Let's end with Zoe and Izzy. For me as a 24-year-old, I just want to say how absolutely amazed I am that this is the youth of today and you're bringing this forward and you care because, trust me, they never used to care. That's why we have a problem. <laughs> so the fact that you actually have the compassion to try and change things is incredible and it gives me so much life. I'd just like to say that I've really enjoyed doing all of this and it's been really amazing to meet so many other um, young people from around the UK who have similar beliefs and interests to me um, in regards to the food system. I'm sure you felt the same, Georgia, but in all honesty, that was so powerful. For me, it felt really uplifting to be surrounded by similar-minded people, but people who also challenged ideas and let me understand things that I didn't already know. Um, it made me have hope for a better world um, and not just being supported by people, but young people gave it all the more impact. What I found fantastic about the day was the fact that I was able to be open-minded and understand other people's opinions. I wasn't fixated on my own opinion and was able to understand others' views. I think the fact that so many young people had these amazing views and really hoped to achieve food justice. Do you think that it'll work? I feel as though with the passion we saw, the variety of views and ages that we saw today was definitely powerful to say the least and the excitement in the young people's voices, I'm convinced that something will be done. If we get the support of the people in power, I'm sure we can push for food justice. I think the power in the presence that we had um, over those two days really gave me confidence that we can have um, a better fixed world 
and that hopefully the people who were there will listen. But let's just see what will happen in the near future and if our、um, ideas will be taken forward. <laughs>